Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Hey everybody, it's Adam Ray for the About Last Night podcast. Thank you for listening and happy belated Father's Day wherever you spent it. All you dads out there, way to be dads, man. Way to kill it. Uh, Somebody had to be a dad and you did, whether you wanted to or not, (laughs) which happens. Um, I spent my Father's Day weekend in Long Beach, Washington with my uh, sister and her husband and and, uh, my nieces and nephews. And we went and saw Finding Dory. Um, I, I brought fish and chips and ate them in the back of the theater and didn't realize till halfway through. So that was fucking, uh, hilarious. Uh, went to an arcade for a while, which is great. Watch my nieces play shoot 'em up games with, and get into it at six. That's good. Um, also, we went to the beach. We, uh, we, we ate some s'mores. We had a great time. Um, it was nice to get away for a little bit. Uh, but now back into it and um, back into the shows. And today's guest is uh, just a dude. You know, we don't have a lot of writers on. And um, most writers are don't, they don't have like a performing background or even seem like they could do it. But uh, our guest today, not only is one of the funniest dudes I know, one of the sweetest dudes, one of the hardest working. His journey from Maryland to New York uh, in the comedy scene out there, meeting Kristen Shaw and Kurt Braunler, becoming friends with them just very unexpectedly, um, getting to L.A., writing on Money for Strangers, Workaholics, um, co-producing uh, Adam Devine's House Party with her boy Adam Devine. That's how I met Scotty Landis, uh, who is our guest today. Scotty Landis, the one and only. If you don't know that name now, you're going to very soon. Him and Adam Devine just uh, sold a Netflix movie. Um, I met Scotty... Uh, uh, came in uh, when I uh, got asked to um, kind of do some idea riffing and and joke coming up with with Adam and Scotty uh, for season one of House Party, and that's how I met. And I was like, oh yeah, this dude's the shit. Uh, Adam should for sure work with him. Um, we get into a lot of great stuff: uh, Hawaii stories, New York stories, um, where his Twitter handle uh, Maryland Mudflap comes from, which is you know way more original than Adam Ray Com. Adam Ray Comedy or at Funny Brad, so which are our Twitter handles, which is where you should follow us, as well as at ALN Podcast on Twitter. Again, at Marilyn Mudflap for Scotty Landis. Um, he's hilarious on Twitter, so follow him. Um, and uh, Adam Ray thirty three on Instagram, Brad Williams Comic on Instagram, at ALN Podcast on Instagram, uh, dot com for all your ALN merch. E S T O Y Merchandise dot com. Hat shirts, mugs, posters. The E T posters are being made. Uh, as we speak, so be on the lookout for those in the next week, um, as well as uh, a few other uh, good photos that our girl Nicole Bisek took for us. Uh, tour dates. I'm going to be in town for all all summer, baby. Of course, I told you, Mad TV. We premiere July 26th at 9 p.m. on the CW. I'm so fucking pumped. I can't even tell you guys. Been meeting with the writers a bunch and uh, just pumped. It's going to be dope. It's a great time for for sketch to uh, to have you know have more shit out there than just SNL. Um, so I'm pumped to work with this cast. They're super funny. We shot all the promo stuff and, and opening sequence stuff last week, and that'll be out soon. But uh, set your DVRs, 9 p.m. Tuesday nights, CW. Premieres July 26, baby. But I'll be in town, L.A., all summer. So AdamRayTV.com for all my local tour dates. Uh, Improv Comedy Store, Laugh Actor will be there a lot. I will be in San Francisco on June 23rd with Eric Andre for one 
for one show at the Mezzanine Theater, June 23rd with Eric Andre. Um, check AdamRayTV.com for tickets. Brad Williams, uh, BradWilliamsComedy.com for all his tour dates. June 23rd, June 24th, and June 26th. Brad is in Lexington, Kentucky at Comedy Off-Broadway. Go see Brad Williams June 23rd, 4th, and 26th. Lexington, Kentucky, Comedy Off-Broadway. And... Uh, and I think that's it for the shows, except for, oh, here's a fun little bit of show info. We're interviewing this week Adam Devine and co-star of Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, his new movie coming out July 8th, Zach Efron. That's right, baby. Efron and Devine. Holy shit. If your inner 13-year-old girl is listening to this, she's probably fucking coming in her pants because, holy shit, that's insane. Divine and Efron, the episode comes out Thursday. Make sure you're subscribed so you can listen to it. It's going to be bonkers. He's never done a podcast. Divine hooked it up. It's the shit. Can't wait. Uh, so now that we got the tour dates out of the way, that's all the Efron, Efron info. Those are the tour handles, Twitter handles. Fuck, I'm still drunk. Uh, that's all the merch info. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy a brand new episode of the About Last Night podcast with our buddy, the hilarious Scotty Landis. Well, the weekend's over, so it's time to chat about it. Got a midget and a Jew, so why don't you sit down and listen to a dope podcast during lunch, dinner, or breakfast. Brad Williams and Adam Ray are here for you any time of the day. So come on and treat yourself right. It's about last night. Well, I mean, you can afford uh, shirts with uh, lots of animals on them. Yeah, man. <laughs> I love that shirt. Is that a shirt? Is that a pre- or post-Hawaii shirt? Because I came back from Hawaii with like four authentic Hawaii shirts. Uh, this was Palm Springs shirt this weekend. Ooh. I was Ooh. out there this weekend, and uh, a friend of mine was like, there's this one place that makes shirts like you can't find online. You definitely walked into my apartment with new shirt swagger. Yeah, I felt it. <laughs> it's hot today. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, and I don't know. Was that just uh, do you are, are you the crazy shirt guy, or did that one just speak to you? You're no. the cool shirt guy. Yeah, oh. I'm not a crazy shirt guy. No, yeah, okay. those guys because like Jeff Dye wears shirts with cats on them sometimes, or magicians. Yeah, and but you know, you're when you're that good looking, you can wear a shirt covered in dildos, and people are gonna go. Hilarious! <laughs> what a great sh- yeah! Hilarious or what a great shirt! Right. Whereas the, uh, the heavy set bald white guy with the Coke bottle glasses, yes. if, if, if he wears the dildo shirt, then it's like, all right. Oh, that's sad. That's, that's sad. <laughs> oh, he thinks he's funny. Oh, oh that's yeah. that's yeah. not that's not gonna work. Or maybe you think that that's part of his uh, pr- probation is that he has to wear that shirt to <laughs> yeah, help. Or that war- he found it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look what I got! Look at it's a dildo shirt. Exactly, hilarious. Because like, uh, I've got an uncle who who is the crazy hat guy. Sure, he wears a crazy hat. Where, I thought, I thought you were saying I got an uncle who loves dildos. That he loves like a dildos. Segue. <laughs> and when and as he's twirling them around like uh, like a like a lasso, uh, he likes to wear a crazy hat. And whether it be like an umbrella, a propeller, there was a hat he gave to me when I was a two year old that said uh, "shithead" on it. But he told me it said "sharp little boy." So I started running around and oh, telling God. all the relatives I'm a sharp little boy they're all cracking up intensely because they know what that is that's great though. <laughs> so that's a like, good uncle though that's a perfect <laughs> uncle yeah 
just like, okay, so it's not my kid, so I can mess him up. Yeah, I love That's that. That's cool. Yeah, no, there are people. I remember I went to class and like this guy had a cool shirt first day of class in college, and the next day I had a cool one, and the next day I had a. And then this other oh, girl, man. the way we became friends, she was like, "How long do you think he can find cool shirts?" <laughs> Dude, what a great! Well, I mean, you kind of establish yourself as that dude at that at that point. Now you're going to be disappointed. Like, there's a comic at the Laugh Factory where the first six times I saw him, six or seven times I saw him, he always had a candy for me. And I don't know if that's just because I don't, I don't know if that's a midget thing. I don't know if he thought like, <laughs> for well, sure is. I don't, that's I don't okay. know, like that's what they eat. Like I I have no idea. But then like the eighth time I saw him, I was like, hey dude, I kind of held out my hand. Like where's where's my peanut butter yeah. cup? And he's like, I don't got what you thought you're gonna get candy every time. Yes, I did. Wow. Yes, I thought I was gonna get candy every time because you set that precedent. Yeah, that's just. But also the whole thing's weird. Like that's a weird yeah. thing for him to do from the get go. Like once, if like an adult friend gives you candy, it's like all right. At twice is done. Yeah. Twice is so bizarre. You're, you're, you're exa- there's how many? Uh, there's got to be a ton of things like that where it's like you do it once. It's like a ha ha funny. Like we can both make light of this twice. Yeah. Right. I think uh, yeah. I, I I think if you go over to a friend's house and and when you get there he answers the door and he's like oh sorry man i was just watching porn that's good once yeah <laughs> yeah twice three times you're like i'm i'm not gonna hang out with you anymore well, at least not here I'm not over <laughs> yeah. we gotta meet at an, uh, a neutral location yeah yeah we don't like, have access to yeah if i came over and like brushed a hair off of your shoulder <laughs> and then <laughs> that is such a <clears throat> such a great example because um i feel like i've had a you're reminded i'm tapping into a dude who like fixed my collar once yeah Mm-hmm. And I go, ooh, that's bad. Yeah, I like. I remember I even kind of flinched, but then I was like, okay, like. And then I go, nah, that like, he was helping you, man. And you're right. call, you don't want a fucked up caller, do you? No. I started yeah. to be on his side, but if he had done it again, like even within the same hour, yeah, yeah, forget it. Then, Code red, friend. Yeah, even a good friend, <laughs> a good male friend. If he right. adjusts your collar twice in life, you're like, stop <laughs> looking at me. Like, don't judge me. Stop uh, looking at me. Where? Uh, wait, when you mentioned college, that was back east, right? UMass. Yeah, I went to UMass Amherst. How um, Mass Hall? All right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm from Maryland, but uh, okay. I, I went there because I did all the tours. And football. Yeah, I exactly. just came back from Baltimore. Did you? Yeah. You were doing shows. Or yeah, doing hanging? shows at the yeah. Baltimore Comedy Factory. That is a. Where is that? Uh, it moved. It, it, it's ne- it, 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 it used to be at the Power Plant Live, right. which is on the dock or whatever, and now it's uh, in the basement of a Best Western Hotel, which sounds depressing, but it's not. It's a nice, huge banquet room. That's cool. Yeah, there's cool. there when I, I did stand-up very briefly in college, and <clears throat> when I did it, it was like a contest for this website that's now gone. And uh, the next thing I wanted to do in stand-up was going back for Thanksgiving. There was an improv in Baltimore very briefly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is probably about... 2000 yeah and uh they had like the funniest baltimore baltimore on contest or whatever and i think lewis black was set to host it Jeez. and i told my sister she was living in baltimore town i was like sign me up put me on i'm gonna come down there and kill because yeah. i had just been doing college stuff for yeah. just easy crowds yeah 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 it was in like, coffee shops on you campus do, yeah, but yeah, how would you do even in those shows i mean yeah. you were you're, the funny was in you at this point i did really well but the the comedy wasn't Great. Like, I can look back at those and be like, okay, but I just was confident. Yeah. And when you're young and confident, you're willing to go up there. And also, everybody was so bad. You <laughs> okay, know? so you had all, all those yeah. factors going yeah, in. Yeah. No. But, but, dude, young and co- like confident is such a big part of it. Even if you're so bad, like, but you're confident, like, you're going to get something out of some of the, the, the awfulness. Yeah, and it was terrible. Like, you used to come out in a wrestling unitard. 
Oh, I mean, uh, I, I don't see why that didn't wait, catch on. Wait, what? The first four times I did stand-up, uh, including the first time I ever did it, was at this fine arts center on campus in front of like four or 500 people the very first time. Jeez. Were you a character? No. I would just come out and do straight stand-up. You never yeah. mentioned it. That's yeah. brilliant. Never mentioned it, never brought it up. Yeah, you were ahead of your time. Yeah, I, I know. This is, I was 17, and I, it was 1999. And there's wow. a tape of it. There's one tape of one of those performances. <laughs> oh, so I have proof. How often do you go back and look at it? I have, I've only watched it once since. <laughs> yeah. You know what? That makes total sense because I saw – my dad found an old tape of when I – he was living on this island called Kwajalein being a doctor at one point for a little bit. And I went out there. It was – I had done stand-up maybe 15 times. And I go, I'm going to do 30 minutes. My dad goes, do comedy on the island for everybody. There's like 2,000 people. <laughs> I go, hell yeah, dad. But because I'd done it 15 times, I go, confidence. I go, I'm a comic. I did 30 minutes. I didn't have four minutes. But I wrote 30 minutes, and I should have gotten off after eight minutes, and it would have probably been like, hey, Lance, your son's actually, he's pretty funny. Yes. But after 30 minutes, they're like, hey, Lance, um, we're going to have to talk to you about relocating you to a different <laughs> island. Yeah. I mean, it was like, but again, like that, that uh, everyone's not making but anyway, so contact I, with his dad. I went back and saw that tape like one time in the past, what, 10 years, uh, and I haven't seen it since because yeah. I was like, that's... That's when you burn it. <laughs> you yeah, see, I'm just holding on to it just for the sake of like, if people are like, did you really ever do that? I can prove it. But mm. it's at my parents' house in Maryland. And, uh, what if it was I in your back it. pocket right now? <laughs> yeah. I I know. <laughs> yeah. I got this it. cool Wait, shirt. <laughs> waiting for you guys to ask me. Um, but then I went to go do the thing in Baltimore and it closed. And so I've oh. always, like when I came home, it wasn't until recently that I even saw stand-up in Baltimore ever. How were the crowds? They were great. Yeah, they were so much fun. fun. Yeah. So there was no comedy when you grew up there. There was, no. The improv wasn't even there. No. So where wasn't. did you get your comedy fix from? Um, VH1 stand-up spotlight. I wow. think Rosie O'Donnell used to host it. Yeah. But I can remember seeing like everybody on that, and I would just watch it. And so you must have thought Rosie O'Donnell was the shit. She was funny. She was. Mm-hmm. She was I even like, really liked really her talk show. show. Yeah, she was good back then. Hey, anytime you can like slingshot koosh balls into the audience, that's a... I mean, Hell, people go nuts for T-shirts and, 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 and T-shirt cannon. Koosh balls are way cool. Yeah, let's like throw a koosh ball in the audience. Everyone She's goes crazy. Gotta regret that though, right? She had it. <laughs> <laughs> like she had it, and then it yeah. all went away so fast. Well, so she, okay, yeah. so you would watch uh, that, and then I mean, did you see any sort of stand-up or I mean, sketch show? I mean, what was the thing that made young Scotty go, "Oh shit"? Or funny family members? Yeah, I mean, the whole family's funny. Like yeah. I have. My parents are funny. Everybody's great like that. It was, but it really was like those weird early, early HBO things, like the um, new faces that they did with Ronnie Dangerfield hosted, John Candy hosted. Yeah. Like, you guys have seen all this. Oh, yeah. the, 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 the Ronnie specials are some of the best ever. Yeah, because you have like young Bob Saget. You got like early Dice Clay. Yeah. Like before people knew who these guys were. Like you, it's so weird to have someone go on stage and say, "All right." Uh, you know, it's Rodney. I'm going to do a horrible impression, but okay, this guy is a little intense, okay? And uh, But I uh, really think you're going to like him. Yes. Sam Kinison. Yes, I remember that and one. And people don't know who Sam Kinison is, and he just goes up in that first time with the ow, ow! Like, yeah. everyone just goes ape shit. Yeah, it was so cool. And you're just like, uh, like, because... It, 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 it's like when they never show, like, classic sporting events and, like, it's games. Yeah. Like, the, like, the greatest games. Like, you're watching the game now knowing that guy's going to make that buzzer beater. Yep. But the people there have no idea that this team is about to come back and win. Yeah. No, 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 no clue. And it's like, it's so cool to watch some of those old specials. Yeah. And they, those specials actually stand up in a way that comedy doesn't. Like, a lot of times, yeah. movies from that era, you're like, that's yeah. not funny. Or those shows, like, I was, uh, I was in, like, a, a waiting room and Mama's Family was on. Remember oh, that TV? Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. So I googled how many episodes, and it was something like 
140 episodes. Wow. And like yeah. that show is so unlaughable. It's so terrible. Yeah. And like, what were some of the jokes? I can't even. It was, you know, it was just a family sitcom. Yeah. It was trying to be like all in the family, but instead of the old crotchety dude, it was the, like the old crotchety woman, but yeah. we can't make her say crazy things quite. Like, yeah. Can you pass the mashed potatoes? Uh, we don't have any. No mashed potato. Like, right. <laughs> and then she just starts punching her. Yeah. Like, uh, but I think it was. It felt like it had a Christian thing to it, too. Yeah. It felt like it had a little tilt to it where it was like built to syndicate on like softer network yeah gotcha. for sure but it was still on tv in 2016 yeah. so a, somebody figured it out someone's still, someone's still waiting by the mailbox for their mama's family check joke. going all right we're eating, we're eating at ruth chris tonight yeah, we got exactly. the mama's family's check so your folks were such um uh uh comedy fans that they weren't like my mom wouldn't let me watch like you can't do that on television on nickelodeon Love so it. i would have to sneak to watch it right but your folks were just like the only one, and I bet we have this in common, is my mom would not let me watch Married with Children, and as soon as she would leave, my dad would be like, "Let's watch it." Yep. So, well, my dad would just leave, but then, but um, <laughs> and then, yeah, never came back. So my mom actually showed me Married with Children because she felt bad that that he wasn't there to let me watch it when she wouldn't. What a show. Um, but I love that. Show. That show was incredible. It's, I mean, talk, talk about things that were ahead of its time. Yeah. That, that, and I, 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 I remember there was things. There were groups trying to shut that show down. Yes. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was huge groups like saying this is filth. This is for our children. But 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 and like trying to shut the show because it was down. too real, right? Like it, it, too. Raunchy, what did you love about it? Real? Well, it had like I think what I liked about it. So well, first off, there was nothing else on TV at all like that. Like just like yeah. family that hated each other. But right. It was that I've never seen a show since that had that thing that Cheers had when everybody would yell Norm. That like Married with Children had like five things like that where like he'd like ask for the clicker. He'd put his hand down the front of his pants. The People. Trader was always empty. Right. Bud always said the nerdy thing. Like, the whole thing was like, he, you were waiting for it to. Yeah, he, uh, Al would just have that time where he would go, let's rock. And then fucking crowd goes crazy. Yeah, Polk high, and he would yeah. Just, like, yeah, four touchdowns. It was so great. It yeah. just had everything. And, and, ba- and back to that point where you say, like, yeah, there wasn't a sitcom on where the family didn't like each other. We were so used to the cookie cutter, leave it to beaver type sitcoms and they all come together at the end and they're all smiling. Right. And, 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 the, and the woman's really smart and the dad's an idiot yeah. and that, that, that was just the model. And this thing... They were all idiots. Yeah, they were all idiots. And, and they all hate each other. Yeah, and then there was still some love there. And I think shows today, like so many shows that people like, like You're the Worst and all that kind of take mm-hmm. from that, where it's like there is some heart in the middle of it, but they're shitting on each other a yeah, lot of the time. Like the daughter is a, is, is a slut. Yeah, she's a party girl. She's a party whore. And they joke about that. The dad acknowledges that she's a whore half the time. Yeah. And then, like, th- that, that still doesn't happen. Today we're like they're like yeah yeah she bangs dudes yeah the sun can't get laid the girls with everybody yeah right it's so good what do you love um because uh, you write on workaholics yeah. and you uh co create house party with with our boy Adam yeah I mean he created it but we developed it together yeah yeah uh that I mean what do you prefer uh shows with just tons of jokes and um enough of a uh but or with with like less heart or more like with Married with Children, like you became like that was a right. definitely something that opened your eyes to um, more than just what you were the VH1 stuff, right? Like yeah. you started to see like the family relationship. I'm yeah. guessing like how much of that did you see that uh, now like on Workaholics, like the dynamic between the three guys, like right? The big, I mean, for me, the biggest influences were easily The Naked Gun, like yeah. that. Yeah. Just to, I can watch that right now. 
holds up. I think it's the funniest. Like I, I just think about it all the time, all mm-hmm. the bits, because they're smart jokes and stupid jokes and slapstick. And then like all those early, the other ones that are like top secret. Just basically, I came up loving all those movies, so that was the thing. But I like the team stuff, like First Police Academy, yeah, like Stripes. Mm-hmm. All Ghostbusters is yeah. like my favorite because it's just like, yeah, let's put. I think Workaholics has more in common with like a Ghostbusters than totally. anything. Where guys Whether, have a mission together and they're like working for the same cause. Very and, different. Yeah, like you can, and then they have like a weirdo. Like it's really good. So, but yeah, to your point is like I think you have to like the characters. I think the strength of Workaholics initially was like they're very funny. The chemistry between them is undeniable, but mostly it's that you can tell that they're friends and you like them yeah. even when they're being shitty, which is yeah what everybody struggles to do and it, it's just because they were friends right yeah you can't fake that kind of chemistry you can't you can't just put some people in the room like all right now you guys are lifelong friends and well no you can't just say that and yeah. tell i don't care how good of an actor you are you can't just like fake 15 years of history with these people totally it, it, it can't and and that's and that's one of the reasons why the show uh works so well yeah and being that likable i mean yeah. that, you can't fake that or try i mean that's either you've either got that or you don't right yeah i mean star power is the rarest thing and but those guys you can feel this thing with them where like and in later seasons they talked about it and i think the reason it's still doing well really well is that uh, around like the end of season four, they were like, let's get back to at the end of almost every episode. It's very clear that we like came back together instead of like, these are just four wild guys doing yeah. wild things. And mm. I think season five was one of the two best. And I think last season was really good because we just kept bringing the friendship back in there. And we even had episodes about their friendship, which is kind of like weird for three guys. What was the, uh, <laughs> what was the first episode? The, um, the one where they, uh, the getaway when they were, um, I remember you tell me, I think cause we were a new Orleans house party. Right. You had just written or you, or maybe when we got back, but the one where they, um, were, uh, they, were they, fuck they, there was the get, there was a big action scene where they were in the car driving away. Uh-huh. What the fuck was that? There's a couple in that year, that season. Um, she wrote one of them, didn't you? I wrote Beer Heist. That's what was. it is. They yeah. rob, yeah, 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 yeah. They rob a brewery yeah. and they're trying yeah. to impress these younger girls. And yeah. we had like a trunk stunt sequence. That's we right. tried. I wanted so bad to win the stunt Emmy for comedy variety. <laughs> like, Wait, is that a category? Yeah, it is. Dude, it's, it's, uh, that's what it is. Stunt, that was shot unbelievable. Best stunt for comedy variety? Yeah, comedy music variety or something. And now yeah. Brooklyn Nine-Nine just, I think, wins it every year because they have like guns and yeah, it's stuff a cop like show. that. Yeah, it's a cop show. Right. So, But I tried so hard for my first two, which was that one and this one with Jack Black, where we have like a parasailing accident, Adam gets dragged behind a car. Like mm-hmm. I wanted stunts, fights, yeah, everything. And so we have in that one like wire work, where the Vo is following a beer truck, and like Adam Durst slams on the brake, and yeah. Adam flies yeah, into yeah, the truck. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, we got this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like, there's no when doubt. You're watching it go down. You were like, this is unbelievable. I mean, just yeah. I mean, it, the whole thing. They're heisting a brewery, which is like so right up the alley for yeah. the show. And, and I, I love that you brought up. That some of your influences were like Naked Gun because that's what they did. They, yeah. they had these. Sure, it was a lot of just insanely well written jokes, but then some of the action sequences, yeah, are pretty freaking Im- impressive. Yeah, uh, the, the the scene in one of Naked Guns where the guy just keeps blowing up, and he, but he's like riding a missile, yeah, and, and he keeps blowing <laughs> oh, up yeah. like like that, that. That was an insane sequence. <laughs> yes. like they, like they blew up a seven forty seven. Yes, that like, was amazing. Le- like legit <laughs> explosion. Yeah. And, have have you gotten to a point now where you're writing an episode of Workaholics where you're like where you write something like that some sort of action there's nothing you where can't you go like execute you go like right? oh like they're not going to agree to this there's always a budgetary thing yeah. but, ah, and okay. some episodes we know are bigger than others but we mm-hmm. try to have one or two like sort of out in the world 
uh, chases. The yeah. network calls them romps. We try to have a romp. <laughs> And, that uh, sounds like such a, like a 1920s <laughs> well, you know, so like ah oh, me uh, me and the missus are gonna go out for uh, quite a romp this afternoon exactly like, <laughs> that's just what it sounds like to us too and uh, <laughs> but we do it and uh, yeah those are really fun apps those are the best and well, then on house party we just try to beat the hell out of Adam in every episode <laughs> sure. yeah I mean that's that's fun it's really good wait before we're writing for the Jack Black one which one was that one that, that was called for? Gramps to Man is dead and uh, it's Adam's grandfather dies right. and Jack Black plays his dad right. and then the family uh, a rich woman married into the family and kind of took over the family pizza business and wants to give him a really nice funeral and up church mm-hmm. and that Adam hates that and so does his dad Pritchard so they decide to sabotage that and do what Gramps de Mamps wanted which was burn his body in a pizza oven and scatter his ashes <laughs> over a park so we burn his body in the pizza oven yeah. and we hooked Adam up to a parasailing thing and then he flies up in the air and gets dragged behind and then the bag of his ashes dumps out on the whole family who the demands remember who they are mm-hmm. and party and sling their tits out and have the best time and then uh, the Offspring's song Bad Habit plays and they mosh. Uh, what? So it's a good app. Oh my wow. god. You totally oh. stole that from my dream. That I, I know. Exactly. <laughs> like, that's insane. Exactly. When you, know, when you know you're writing for like Jack, is that like extra excitement or pressure or like just so pumped that was great because that one was like well who's gonna play adam's dad and then jack's young enough where we were like there's a twist at the end and uh but yeah it's so fun because it's the same thing for writing with those dudes is like you get them close you write as you write the best you can and then you'll see what they do in the show when you actually watch it and they've improved like they all improvise in a way that you're like god they're making me look really funny yeah i I was gonna ask because those guys are such great improvisers and and they have that do you have that uh, do you have that ego where you're like no i wrote these words Yeah, because you're such a good writer these words yeah you have to yeah you have to like i mean and but uh, i mean and if they are like it's easy to have that ego and if they're making your shit better you're like well, fucking my shit was just fine. Like, why? No, that's the difference. Well, some people do. I don't have that at all. You don't? Like, I'm grateful for the job. And mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm not kissing butt. Like, no. I actually just love that job. Yeah. And then um, it's like the whole idea of a writing room. And then those guys are in the writer's room all the time. Like, mm-hmm. the whole writing time we're in there, which is pretty rare for creators and actors yeah. and everybody and directing. And so for me, I feel like they're part of the writing process. You can't really get mad if anybody takes your jokes in the writer's room. I think the way to say it is like you're flattered when they use a lot of your stuff. Yeah. But you're not pissed off when they, you, you know, they follow your story. They follow the main beats. But, you know, sometimes they'll just get a thing. In, uh, in Beer Heist, there was a croquet scene that opens the episode. And they just sung some song where Adam's just shaking his pants and his dick. And they're just like freestyling a song <laughs> like he shakes his dick and you know his he shakes his pants and his nose dick slanging or something like that. And I didn't write that. But when I watched it, that was the first shot you see. And I was like, yeah, that's better, though. That's better than when I wrote. Like, I was laughing. I was like, that's so right. silly. And Oh, good. But yeah, see, that is so rare. And Brandon, we were talking about this earlier. And I think that's why everybody wants to work with you is because, and it's rare to have that selfless mentality where, and we're both curious about this, too, because, you know, and you coming up in comedy and, and knowing how funny you are, it's like to just be like, yeah, I just want to make you look good yeah. is a rare thing. But it's so fun because I can work with both of you guys. I can work mm-hmm. with – I get to – you guys have to be yourselves on stage. Like if two stamps go on stage, it's almost always a terrible thing. Yeah. So, But I can like – 
you and I can work on a project and I can write in your voice and um, and then I can go on and write with Whitney or I can write with Nikki Glaser I can write with whoever I want Kristen Shaw all yeah. people with very different comedy yeah all and, people that you, and you mention all those names because that's who you've written yeah for. those are all people yeah. I've worked for in the last couple of years and how do you get to know like I mean is there like a process like if somebody is trying to do what you do like to get to know somebody's voice I mean it's yeah that, and also in the balance of like then getting to like you know you probably don't want to sit down with a comic and say like I think this is what you are, or do you? No, they, no. Usually I help them more with story, and they'll, you know, the thing is, is like when you're in a community, as you guys are, say you're at the store, yeah. I don't know, uh, maybe five nights a week, or whatever yeah. you guys are doing, it's like there you start to hear patterns, even among your friends, like there was always that thing with the comedy seller guys, where they start to sound the same, even when they would talk. Yeah, they would just because that's what they're around. It would be like Colin Quinn and Bill Burr and all those guys, like you would hear them on TV, and they all kind of sound like a dummy, like it's all that sort yeah. of yeah, yeah, yeah. Louis, all those guys sort of, and you, it's the same thing with like when they're coming up with ideas, you're like, oh, that's a cool idea and then so i just try to help them filter out the bad ideas try to get to the idea they're most excited about and then i do the heavy lifting of like the boring stuff (laughs) i do the boring stuff like writing out the pitches and the one sheets and the outlines and like and then we go through it together but and paying paying attention to not just their onstage persona but their offstage right yeah i only the only reason i have any career at all is because i'll go out and drink with people and not talk about comedy i'll just go out and like kick it with them and then oh you, the oh, you mean night. being a cool dude it's yeah. fun to be around <laughs> yeah oh hell yeah I hope so. where are those where are those guys at? that's rare in this yeah city. it's yeah. not a ton of them but i that's the whole thing so like i like the analogy i use the most is just a dumb sports analogy like i have no problem being john stockton to somebody else's car <laughs> I, I mean, no problem at all. I love that. That's scene. the name of your autobiography. Yeah. I am John Stockton. Yeah, yeah. And, and nobody would know. And, nobody can. Nobody knows what John Stockton looks like. But but one thing I love about sports is that we could get, and that perfectly exemplifies. Yeah. This. Because as stand-up comics, uh, we like getting the laugh. We yes. like getting the applause. It, like in, but yeah, like so, you came from comedy. So do you ever have those moments where you're like, oh, I wish. I could be saying that line? No, I used to. Up until I stopped comedy early, like at 20 or 21, I was just like, okay. Because I didn't know what it would have become. I just thought it was going to be like a rogue club guy, and I didn't want to do that. Yeah. I just mm-hmm. didn't want that at all. Did I you know what that life was from hearing, or just you just assumed yeah. it was not great? You know, because I assumed it was not great, but also I knew it from like watching clubs, and like there was the one place in West Springfield, West, yeah, called the Hokey Lao or whatever. It's just, it's just still there. Yeah. So uh, Dave Tell shot his most recent special. I saw saw that and yeah. i saw like jeff dunham there when i was in college and mm-hmm. like i was just like this is not for me like this mm-hmm. just isn't for me so yeah. i kind of saw enough of that world yeah. where you'd be like oh this is a destination night it's the two drink thing it's like the waitresses and i love being in the audience but i just didn't want it so at some point early on i didn't want to and also like i came up in brooklyn um as a comic from like i mean excuse me just like a writer from like 23 on yeah i was there for eight years and, ba- and back in brooklyn was shitty yeah not the gentrified well, it paradise nice. as it is today it got nicer every year like even <laughs> when i went i never got mugged i never had any problems yeah, yeah but yeah. like i was watching all the alt comics like all the you know true the alt comics and mm-hmm. they were 25 to 30 and if i had known that existed i would have stayed with comedy but oh, i didn't wow. know oh, really yeah if i knew that there were backyard uh like backroom coffee shop and who would you in those rooms? Is that where you met Kurt? Kurt Brown, Oler, Kristen Shaw, John Mulaney, um, Chelsea Peretti. I used to work the door at her show called Variety Shack for like four years. Wow. Kurt and Kristen, I worked their show as a plant or selling T-shirts or hanging out or See, whatever what for I years. Here's what I love, though. Is, wow. Is you're not just in the world of comedy. You're a fan of it. Yeah, big time. Yeah, you're a fan of – like you – 
I feel like you would be going to these shows and doing all this stuff even if you didn't have a job in comedy. You would still just be doing this. That's right. And that's what I did back then because I didn't know. Like, I'm from Maryland. I have no connections at all. I didn't have a famous uncle or whatever. I didn't yeah. have any connections. I so. read somewhere you were you actually got into college as pre-med. I applied and got in as pre-med. My mom just turned and was like, you don't have to do that if you don't want. Whoa. And I was like, What's your okay. mom's name? Mary. 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 Good hey, job. Wow. Yeah. Thank Good you. Good job, Mary. I know. Thank you. Thank you. Because I didn't want to do it anyway. Or I don't know. You could have been the greatest doctor ever and we've all been deprived. No, of... I would have been like a yeah. shitty Patch Adams. <laughs> <laughs> and that's saying something. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. I would have like, I would have like entertained him and then he would have passed away. <laughs> <laughs> And well, we call him a hospice doctor. <laughs> he we had, the, he had the flu. Why didn't you treat that? No, I was busy juggling. Yeah, exactly. Fine. Yeah. So, so, but that's so that's so amazing because I mean, I, I like I was a year away from graduating college and then discovered stand up and was like, Nah, I'm not yeah. going to do this. I'm going to drop out and do stand up. And that was the the fights that I was having constantly with my family yeah. about. Which, by the way, are good fights to have what sure. what like what do you think your mom did did she just know that you weren't going to be happy doing that no i think she just was nice i think she was just cool and i think she thought i was funny and she just was mm-hmm. like you should just do tv but i think by that she meant being like an espn sports center guy or something like or yeah. like a weatherman i'm serious sure. like i don't think it was like my mom also threw the weatherman thing in yeah. there which i guess we had to have both had weathermen who were charming enough or Kind of funny. Maybe they knew Scott about Scott Van Buren. Yeah. I think was ours. Was your, we, I, I had Steve Poole. Oh yeah, we also had um, you guys Bob have. Turk. <laughs> you guys Dude. have you, you, your Mary, guys is Mary we- fuck kill. Your guys weathermen don't even have weather in their name. That Dallas Rains motherfucker. Oh, right. Dallas Rains. That's great. One, His but, last name is Rains. That's so good. And he's a weather. But also, let's be honest. That's awesome. This, Come on. How was Bob Turk? Was he the man? Yeah, they did a cover of the Temptations, My Girl. But instead <sighs> of My Girl, they said Bob Turk. And- <laughs> Bob Turk. Yeah. Bob Turk. I thought you were about to say he was on the cover of Rolling Stone. Yeah, he was cool. We had a we had this one guy named Marty Bass. I bet he's still alive. He's probably a fan of the podcast. <laughs> and I was riding down this escalator once in this mall in my in my hometown, and you know they're like local celebrities. A news yes. guy to us is like, oh, I saw Steve Poole at the aquarium when I was twelve and lost my fucking mind. And they carry this little black and white headshot. Yes. With their name on there, <laughs> and they're just like, yes. yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then, so he's coming up, and I'm with my three friends, and my one friend's like, oh my God, that's Marty Bass. And he, so, Marty Bass? So he's coming up, and his back's to us a little bit, and we're like four. That sweet bass eight, back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You saw that. You recognize that. <laughs> and from pointing out all those clouds. Um, and so he gets right near us, and my friend goes, hey, Marty Bass. And before he can get Bass out, Marty Bass spins on his heel, points at us with both fingers, and goes, I'm the Bassarino. And then. What? <laughs> And he had that chambered? He had it ready. And oh, my himself. God. And then, he, and then all we could do was just watch him go up the escalator <laughs> as we were going down. You're watching Marty Bass essentially ascend to heaven because that was such an awesome moment. God took him. He yeah. goes, it ain't getting cooler. No, it was probably the greatest moment of his life. It was the greatest moment of my life, but for him, too. And he just cruised on up, um, didn't smile, didn't wave. He probably heard your footsteps from, like, miles away. And yeah. as soon as he felt I'm the child. Bassarino. I'm the Bassarino. Like, but spun a quarter's bin, pointed at us, set it, turned back around, and just cruised up. You think he'd done that before? He must have. I mean, because that's a move for him. Because, like, the Bassarino oh sounds like a, 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 like, a, 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 a like nine-foot-long <laughs> sandwich that some guy named Bass names at his restaurant because yeah. he, he's in... 
Egan Benaikal asshole is <laughs> right. like, can you hit? Can, yeah, you ate the large pizza, but can you eat the Bassarino? Yeah, yeah, like that, that's what that sounds like. <laughs> yeah. really and he does. just had that on the ready. What is it about Weatherman where it's like maybe because they're the only guys that don't have to be like, hey, a child was murdered last night yeah. and police don't have any suspects. Well, the weather is almost a saving grace of the news because it is like, that's why even when it's like, it's going to be cloudy and rainy again, but like, but I don't know if the sun's coming just around. Like, there's, yeah. they're, they're like, it's hey. optimism. Yeah, yeah, they're the, but also, let's be honest, the charming weatherman is like kind of on, on the way out because, I mean, hot, it's now it's all like, it's yo, hot, even it, we can in, insert sex into the weather. Like, yeah. Yeah. it's hot, it's, now it's just hot chicks and apps. Yeah. That's all we have. Well, now that's weather. it. That's true, because I think all news anchors, because the internet, I'm sure they, I'm, I mean, the people that watch local news have got to be 70 years old. Like, yeah. it's not a, I mean, out here, people watch it. There's a guy in New York, or maybe he's out here now, Sam Champion. You guys know I him? mean, that sounds like a great name. I mean. <laughs> I know two people that got married because they went on double date, they went with the other, with another person. So it was four people, and then mm-hmm. these two got married because they just were laughing so hard about Sam Champion and having that in common that three years later they got married. But I mean, can, can I tell you Did they write Sam Champion to perform the wedding? They said it in their vows. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sam Champion, that seems like the the greatest porn star name of all time. But also, that you mentioned, what did you say earlier about the thing you bonded with the girl about the kid who wore shirts? Yeah. That is such a, like, especially between people, but uh, trying to build rapport with, like, a girl, too. Like, that type of shit is so specific and uh, says a lot, too, I think, about, like, how seriously you take yourself in life. Sure. If you can, like, find something that specific and laugh at it. But they got fucking married over it? Yeah, I mean, that was the kickoff. That was the first joke. And I think it's like, I think it's you also recognize people, that might be what like a real sense of humor is, is like they mm-hmm. both realize that Sam Champion is a funny name. Right. And, uh, and a weird, he's kind of a weird guy. Let's and, joke uh, about it. Yeah, so. Like, are there, for you, are there like deal breakers in, uh, with people as far as like being like, oh, like, guy, you're, you're maybe a great comedic mind or somebody that would be cool to work with, but you just don't like, do they have to be on a certain level of, yeah, there are. Yeah. I mean, there are a lot of things I wouldn't. There are a lot of co- types of comics. Like I don't. I've never written fat jokes. I don't write race jokes. I don't like. Mm-hmm. I mean, that doesn't mean like we'll like hint at it. When I was, I've written on shows that have to do like monologues and stuff. And so you'll put like smart stuff in there. But I anything that's just negative. Negative comics are like. I mean, negative comedy is way funnier and easier to write sometimes. But mm-hmm. I just don't go after people that are assholes. Like I think. Adam, you know more of the people I work with, but overall, I would say they're also nice people when yep. they're not on stage. Yeah. Like, that's kind of the more important requirement to me. Yeah. Well, which is rare for this business, I th- think. Yeah. That, and you're going to be writing with them, and, and especially when you do something where it's like deciding on the best joke. Yeah. Because there's, I've, I think we've all been in rooms where people are deciding which joke they're going to use, oh, yeah. and if one dude's an asshole, that that's not a pleasant experience, and you have to really be able to take your ego out of it. It's not when 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 someone picks one joke over yours. It's not them saying you, Scotty, right. are a dick. Right. They're, they're not they're, they're not saying that. They're like, hey, that joke may may be better. Yours good. That might be better. But we'll use another one of your jokes because right. you'll write a good joke. It's a team. Something. It really is yeah. teamwork, and it's like what makes a band tick. Like even if the band doesn't necessarily hang out after the show, like yeah. as long as when they're together, they respect each other. And I think writers' rooms are like that, and I think comedy clubs are like that. Like when you like somebody and you're excited they're there and you want to hang out afterwards, great. But they're comics. I'm sure you guys can't stand that. Sure. Even when they're there, you'd bring them up like they're the funniest person that's ever been. Yeah. Sure. Uh, if you, yeah, I like. I think it's just being a good employee, but people in this business are like so in it for themselves that they forget like that it is kind of like 
high tide raises all ships type of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it, like, hell, uh, Peter Dinklage just hosted SNL, and, and people were telling me, like, oh, don't you hate that? I was like, well, yeah. But, uh, no, no, like, I want him to do really well. Yeah. Because I know that if he does well, then people are like, well, dwarves can be funny. Yeah. But, like, when, you, when they talk... Like Absolutely. Not, so, oh shit. Okay, well, let's let's find our own funny dwarf that can talk. Yeah, right. And then, yeah. So, I, I wasn't like wanting him to fail or yeah. anything like that. Uh, that that part of this business really does kind of boggle my mind. Where everyone's like, "Well, uh, no, I want everyone else to suck." Why? Yeah. If everyone else sucks, they're not just going to come to you because. So you want to be the last resort? Yeah, I think it's so no. hard early on, especially like once you're doing some stuff, it gets so much easier. But I understand why people are like envious early on, or like a little jealous, or mm-hmm. like you know. But it all kind of irons out. It's just like people are so short sighted in those emotions. It's like if you give it five years, I bet that asshole is gone. Sometimes not. Sometimes they become yeah. the biggest, most popular. But overall, like if you can just broaden what it is like how long things take it does mm-hmm. kind of even out when you came out here did you always have this like very just positive glass half full approach and nice guy attitude i mean we yeah. talked about it i know you have but like i mean brad wrote something down that you had 400 dollars to your name when you got your first writing gig that's true and i was making i might have had less but i was a waiter at two boots in brooklyn uh two boots yeah not like a nice it was the restaurant one there's like one restaurant one so it was a family restaurant in park slope (laughs) and they had a really hard time keeping uh male waiters male servers in there because there was so many kids and so many women that most of the guys would just not be able to handle it true so there was like this older gentleman named eben who's such a nice dude and there's this guy named sumo and myself and we were like the only three guys that could like handle it so (laughs) I was waiting, and I got my first job, and then it was like um, I got a call, and it was for eight weeks for $1,600 a week. And at the time, I was probably making like 300 and 400 in tips because I was trying to take off to go to every show. Like I didn't yeah. work every night because I you know, I could have gone wow. for the money, yeah. but instead I was going to all these $5 shows, these free shows because mm-hmm. I believed like I believed Chris and Shaw was going to make it, period. Like I was like, she is so Cause, funny. Because you knew her for a while. 11 years now. Yeah. You, knew her, so you knew her before or as she started? I knew her bef- way before Concords. I knew her before her half hour. I'm actually in her half hour. I play her boyfriend. She brings me up on stage and sings me happy birthday with the whole audience and then asks me to marry her and I say no. <laughs> and then the whole crowd gets mad at me. And that was a bit we had done in New York at alt shows for like maybe a year and a half before oh, that. So, so, you, so you'd be a plant. I was always I was a plant in a lot of stuff those guys did. But That's where did you funny. see her first that you, and then what was the conversation to just start the, like you started showing you're like, I want to be friends with you. You're going to be awesome. You know, that's funny because I've only done that once and it was with her. <laughs> for real? I swear to God. Wow. And uh, I was, uh, I'd been in New York for two months and I'd gotten a job as a sound PA on Stella, which was a Comedy Central show yeah. with Michael and Black. Come on, and yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, and on that, there was an actress named Andrea Rosen who did stand up. I think she still might, but she definitely did back then. And she was like, hey, come to this thing. It's called Hot Tub, which is Kurt and Kristen's show. And they, it was their second one. I think it was their second one. And I went and I was so like, I for the first time ever since like 16, I was like, didn't feel alone in the universe. I was like, these guys are so, Whoa. I was like, they're the funniest. And it made me like nervous. It made me jealous because I was like, oh, if I don't befriend these people, I might, I won't ever make it. Wow. Like I, I was like, those are the first two people that I was like, their comedy is so similar to mine. So I just hung out. Scotty, that's crazy. Wait, wait, not feel alone. So like just where you were like, Oh, that's, I'm, this is the world I'm like, it just gave you such a concrete. Yeah. Like in high school, like I got along with everybody. I, I think I was pretty popular and, you know, did stuff, but I just was like, 
I just felt so weird. Like I, I felt so different. And that's yeah. why I went to UMass because I didn't know anybody else that was going there. And even there, I was like, they didn't know. I mean, I sound now a little more Southern, but I used to sound very Baltimore. And then I didn't okay. even know I had an accent until I went there. <laughs> but they just looked at me like I was – my first day of – uh, class, my first class ever for college was yeah. in my building. So in the dorm room, they had classrooms because it's a 22 story building. So I go down like 10 floors, first college class, I think it was like college writing. And I sit down, and the, girls, the girl sitting next to me is named Kate Landers. And my sister's name is Kate Landis. Okay. So I was like, hey, that's my, all I said was, uh, that's funny, that's my sister's name. Mine, the last name is Landis. And she just turns, she goes, uh, where the fuck are you from? You sound like Fars Gump. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, I made a huge mistake. Oh no. I should have gone to Delaware. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, been with other people that sound like me. Just <gasps> nice people, just yeah. mid Atlantic sweethearts. Ma- but, um, Maryland so, folks. People who love that you sound like Gump. Yeah, but yeah. It, it trimmed it out of me pretty quick. Then I'd like, they'd be like, oh, Scotty, shit. say all these words. And I'm like, oh yeah, turn the light on. Like, uh, hand me that Coke. Oh, what's your phone number? I'll call you later. And people, <laughs> that's how I used to sound. I, wow. like, I have one voicemail like on a cassette, oh, like a answering machine. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know, hey, you know, thanks for calling Scott. I can't get back to you right now, but I'll call you back in a little bit. Like, it's so that's amazing. I'm mailing pride, but oh, that's, man. That's bad. That's, uh, that's fucking amazing. Cause so, it, that, 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 that's one of those states where, so, like, if, Everyone out here or from the south, like we don't picture. You can't picture like when someone says they have a Maryland accent, then nothing really like pops into your head. But yeah. then you hear it, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, totally. It's a little different than Philly. Mm-hmm. The De- De- Delaware is the same one. Like I was just at NASCAR like two weeks ago out here at Fontana, and they were like. Oh, have you ever been there? And this one guy's like, "Oh yeah, we raised Dover all the time." <laughs> and you're like, "My people!" Yeah, I was like, "Oh, I know you." There really is like a like almost like a person or character from like that represents every accent from a, a region like Bobby's World. Like that's that mom is from what Minnesota, uh, Minnesota, Minnesota, oh, yeah. Minnesota yeah, so North Dakota. That made me like things. Yeah. That introduced me to that like the way people talk there. Yeah. I mean, like I guess uh, Rocky Philly, right? Like with that a little bit. I mean, his is so weird. Yeah, his, his is all yeah, over the that's place. A, yeah, it's a fake like, accent. Good. That's not how he talks at all. That's how he talks. No, it's hey, not. That's what me and Adrian, you know, we going out there and we're going <laughs> to fight Apollo. And Apollo was like, I'm going to right. take him out. And I was right. like, hey, it's you not know, that bad. It's not that bad. The second <laughs> time I did stand-up was at a bar in uh, <laughs> Northampton, Massachusetts. And the guy that went on before me, we did like four minutes or five minutes. It was a pretty small mic. There are three or four people there. Um, and his whole set was Arnold Schwarzenegger versus Sylvester Stallone playing tennis. And it was just... <laughs> <laughs> for the entire time, and Did then you I love it? Go, oh yeah, I mean, but I was also like, now I know what my new closer is. Yeah. My God, I'm doing that. And that's all. And he would so just funny. swing his right arm for Arnold, and his left arm like he was hitting a ball, like forehand, <laughs> for, and that's all he did for four minutes. And then he got like huge applause. Like the bartender gave him a shot. And then I go up there, and I'm telling like. Just not even jokes, just like talking, and mm-hmm. then, you know, just like, like people were like, "No, nah. bring back the Arnold, yeah, sly yeah. tennis guy." Yeah, just I know. Twenty more minutes of that. It's yeah. So, so, so when he went up to, oh, that yeah, is a great sorry. bit. Up to Chris. Well, real quick though, I want to say one of my first bits that I did when I because uh, I start, I did a few open mics in Seattle, then got to SC, did a few frat parties. So again, six times in, and I was like, "I'm a comic. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to perform overseas on my dad's island and make him look bad." <laughs> so then I stayed abroad in London and did some some bars while. Well, I was doing the acting school out there and one of the bits I would do was Arnold Schwarzenegger he just become governor and my whole thing was like Arnold can do anything now he could even fuck a cow if he wanted to 
and then I would just act out him fucking a cow. Yeah. But for like Lull. three and a half. Mm. Hey, guess what, Brad? Mm. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> and people I don't would, know why you don't bring that back, <laughs> dude. I would do, and then I would ask, and then I would like have the cow towards the end of it. The cow would just speak up and be like, "Dude, like enough." Yeah. <laughs> like I would, you know. And I mean, uh, I'm, I'm saying that's what you should close your special with. No, well, maybe. Uh, but uh, so when you saw Kristen and Kurt, yeah, you were like, "I if I don't become friends with them, I won't make it." I won't make it in comedy. Like, I wasn't going to, like, off myself. I didn't... I wasn't alone. Like, I was like, I'm going to be a weird, like, hermit man. But you saw, like, a world to attach yourself to. Yep. All of a sudden, I saw people that I thought were funnier than I was that I understood. And then I, I just thought that their chemistry was... I'd never seen anything like it. So... I was with a friend of mine who was, like, this aspiring male model, straight dude, but just, like, everybody's young. Everybody's 23, and they're mm-hmm. trying to do stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm going to say something. And so I walked up to Kristen after the show with my buddy Anthony, and I was like, uh, you're so funny. You're, like, I've never seen anything like you. You're going to be great. And she was like, thank you. You know, she's still, like, so sweet. Mm-hmm. She's and like, where's that accent from? Yeah, yeah. she's <laughs> like, yeah, you fucking Forrest Gump. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, the so, same girl. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and then that was kind of it. Like, and then I left, and then I kept running into them because we all just coincidentally – I would go to the show yeah. every Monday or Tuesday whenever it was. But then also they lived on the F train, which in Brooklyn is like – you know, it's not the best one, it's not the worst one, but yeah. every once in a while I would see them. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, I was going to ask, how do you, like, if you're just, you, you could just seem like a fan slash, uh, st- if you just keep coming and saying what up, like, you have to have a, an organic moment of, to actually, well, unless they were receptive from the get-go. No, they were nice from the get-go, yeah. but you're exactly right. And so what I did strategically was I took Kurt's level one improv with the goal of him thinking I was the funniest person he's ever taught. Genius. And so I probably was like the 30th funniest person he ever taught, but in that class, I stood out because it was yeah. a bunch of like commuters that were just like, I just want to be a better salesman. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. No, so yeah. he, after that, was like, you're really funny. Let's get beers afterwards. And then, awesome. uh, then they started inviting me to um, like cookouts and all that sort of thing. And that's like where I thrive. So I yeah. was like, as soon as I started to get socialized, but you know, everybody would ignore me because I was the only one that wasn't a stand up. And everybody would be like, are you a stand up? Like, and not even like, you know, shitty way, just like, yeah, you know, stand up, stand up, no stand up. You yes. guys connect to each yeah. other in a way that's. Well, like, you do have that vibe. You're quick, you're personable, you have like a point of view and a perspective about everything. You can talk about anything. I hope so. Yeah. And that is like what we, you know, that's yeah, it, a it, basis for a lot of what we do. It, it's weird when I go to a gig that's off in the middle of nowhere and I don't know who the feature act is going to be. Sure. And I'm just walk, watching people walk into the club. It's, I can look at someone walk in. Not have them say anything and just go. Oh, oh, that's my feature act. Yeah, it, it's it's so it's this. I I, I can't describe to you because he's crying in the corner or? and he's yeah, staring yeah, at yeah. Brad's headshot, going, <laughs> "One day, one day, I'll be like the dwarf." <laughs> but there's an energy or something. Yeah, yeah. there's just there's just some sort of vibe. So that that doesn't surprise me at all. That, yeah, that, they that were people cool. Thought you were stand up, but then I would always be like, no. And then my I just didn't want to step on anybody's toes, and I didn't want anybody to see me as competition. Mm-hmm. And so I would just tell them whatever my job actually was at that time. So if they're like, well, what do you do? I wouldn't be like, I'm an aspiring writer. I would be like, I'm a temp. And, Why'd and you do that? Because I don't know. I just thought you like, wanted to just you wanted to um, assimilate and and be a part of this, but not yeah have anybody feel threatened. I think I wanted. I think that I didn't. 
I think I was like the way that uh, anybody in comedy kind of can get angry about things that nobody else cares about. Yeah. I think yeah. in my mind, like multi hyphenates were just driving me nuts. Because, yeah. and when you're young and you're in New York or LA, it's like, I'm an actor. I'm also like a director. Like, I have a great voice, but like, and I hated that. So, my <laughs> backlash instead of going up on stage yeah. like you guys and doing it was, I'm never going to mention what I do. But then I was constantly writing on my own, like, banging out just like tons of features tons of scripts like writing sketches for everybody especially Kurt and Kristen and the Chelsea Pretty Variety Shack girls mm-hmm. they're four really funny girls and uh, and then like two years later three years later people started to be like you should do stuff you should do comedy or whatever and I was like well actually I do write scripts and then I started sending them to people and they liked them and yeah. then that's then they were like oh and then Kurt and Kristen were coming back from London one time. This is probably about two and a half or three years after I had met them. I'd never written anything for them. And, but, I mean, I had had a ton of stuff I'd never given it to yeah. And Kurt was like, yeah, Kristen was like on a later flight, and I got to write tonight's hot tub. They used to do three acts. They used to do it like a full show and then like mm-hmm. a funny closer, and then they'd awesome. have three comics or four comics yeah. in between. So I wrote a couple, and then I sent it to Kurt, and he's like, what? And I was like, no, I wrote these for you guys. He's like, you did? And then he read it. He's like, we're going to use this one if you're okay with it. And then it, I, weirdly, I couldn't go to that show because I think I had to work like as a server or valet or something. Yeah. And it crushed. And so then, like two weeks later, they, they did hit it you again. up. I mean, that must have been a text or something. Like, God, yeah. I think, I don't even know if people were texting. I think, oh, wow. I mean, email or talk to a person. I know. Uh, but yeah. But and, I'm saying getting that news is like, that's got to be a big yeah, deal. Like, that's a turning point. Yeah. But then because I'm so weird, I didn't even ask. So I just let it go. I was just like, let's <laughs> just see. They'll tell me if it went well. And they were like, oh, it went so well, dude. We're going to do it again at this show. And then they did it again at when I was at it and really did well. And then I gave them one other one and that also did well. And then like, I don't know, maybe two months after that, we're all just walking out and after drinking some booze on 7th Avenue. And they're like, yeah, like we have this pilot thing. We want you to be our writer. We know we could have picked anybody, but we like you. So Whoa. they kept, they were the ones that were like, without so them, I they might They're Sam Champion for you. They, yeah, they were my <laughs> Sam Champions. <laughs> uh, that's, that's amazing. That's what it was. So I was just sat on it for a really long time. And then once it started to open up, and then it was just like everywhere they went, I went. Well, and. And here's one thing that I love about you describing how you kind of got to this point is I, I, I hear so many people that say they want to be a writer. But then I, I say, okay, so what are you working on now? They're like, well, I'm going to wait until someone asks me to write something. Yeah. I'm like, that's not going to happen. No a huge mistake. No one's going to come up to you and, and say, wait, you've done absolutely nothing in this business? Write the screenplay. Right. Not going to happen. Yeah. Right, you, know, right, you, you have to just – Right, and, you, and the 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 same way. My advice to uh, young young standups is to say you just have to go on stage as frequently as you can. It's doesn't true. matter what the venue is, just do it. Uh, would you say the same thing to young writers? Like, just start writing things. Yeah, anything. But it's like also kind of figure out. There was like a story. There's an old story about like Charles Barkley at like the rookie camp, and his mom mm-hmm. calls him, and he's like, "How you doing?" And he's like, "I'm the best, except for this one guy." And it was Michael Jordan. It's something like that. It <laughs> yeah, was like I was a really hoping you were gonna say it was Deadlift Shrimp. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was, yeah. like a hidden was like the Flying Dutchman. Who's the Flying Dutchman? Vladi? <laughs> uh, uh, no, no. Chambers? No. Sarunas Marshallonis? Tom no. Chandler? Flying Dutchman. Chandler? Crap. I thought there was a Flying Dutchman. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Rick Smith? Rick Smith. Rick yeah, Smith was, was the Flying Dutchman. Yeah, Rick from Smith. The Indiana so, Pacers. Um, but it was something like that. And it was just one of those things where I'm like, you got to kind of know who you are and who you should be working with and who you should be writing for. Like, yeah. And what your voice is. But like, 
So I would write a horror movie because I love horror movies, and I write a comedy, and then I would write a horror and a comedy, and then you know I look back at them, and in the first three, there's probably nothing usable, but then they started getting a little better, and I never read a book, I didn't have Final Draft, I used to just write on Word or by hand, and then type it in. I had this one buddy that was like nice enough; he would format it sometimes. Uh, so no, you had no basis for like structure or never read story. a movie script before. So what I did is I would watch Jaws and I would pause it every time a scene would change, and I would write what happened in that scene, and then in my movie I would do something very similar so you, for horror or comedy. So so you would essentially write different versions of Jaws. Yes, my first two movies are basically Jaws. Huh. But it taught me at least like what you know without knowing any of the terms or the words. It was like oh that's like. That's how you learn when this character's introduced. When Hooper comes to the island, there's the B story gets launched, and you're like, but I didn't know what a B story was, but I knew I'd introduce a new right. guy right there. So I did. Oh, interesting. Oh, shit. Yeah. But, so then you just kind of took that structure, but then made it your own story. But right. uh, I could see how that, because, yeah, pe- pe- people when they start, kind of like you, they don't know uh, what they, what the B structure like they, 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 they don't know those terms they don't know what they mean they don't know what that uh, about character development like they don't know so yeah take one of the greatest movies of all time yeah just follow that structure yes the story I knew that that was a great story and yeah. I knew like the very basics of writing where it was like man versus man man versus himself man versus nature I was like that has all three so mm-hmm. I'm going to focus on this and teach myself how to write off that but then I probably had four or five TV jobs in New York that I still didn't know how to write script because they were like non-scripted or prank shows or yeah, Jeff, uh, Money from Strangers, I did, right? Yeah, two mm-hmm. seasons of Money from Strangers. I was uh, I hired Kurt on that and yep. this uh, great writer named Albertina Rizzo and uh, we. But those were like I didn't know how to write. I didn't have mm-hmm. Final Draft back then. I didn't know how to write scripts. And then I had like a strange panic attack at like uh, twenty nine or so. So like I was in the guild. I had an agent. I had a lawyer. I, did I, anybody know that you had never like? your experience was that i had only just made it up as i went yeah like and so i freaked out i was still in new york and i and um i think god i don't even remember what show i watched but i was like i'd really like to write on that. it was probably eastbound or something and uh so i just wrote to a friend that was out here for pilot season i was like can you bring me every pilot and then and i bought like four t- writing for tv books and then i literally for three weeks just read all the books read all the scripts noted out all the scripts and was like got it like i saw the formula like all of Whoa. a sudden so i basically did like Grad school on my own, and then wrote a workaholic spec and an original, and then that original was like what got me most of my jobs. Holy shit! I, Wait, so I love by the way that that was your spec script. You had no idea that you were eventually going to be yeah. ingrained in that world and be no. And I didn't know. I hadn't seen one episode of Workaholics, but I knew I could write for young guys. So I was yeah. like, because I usually wrote for women, like coming up in New York, I was writing Kristen. I was writing for girls more than guys. And Why? out here, I don't know, they, they liked having me around more. Yeah. Because I'm incredibly good looking no. and I got animal shirts. <laughs> yeah, because I have funny shirts. <laughs> I bathe regularly. Yeah. <laughs> less uh, competitive, yeah. Yeah, it was less competitive. Because like, if I show up, I mean, I don't even have an example in New York, but like they're... You have your crews, you have your people, but like sometimes you're like, I, this person is a little bit different than me, but I like what's going on. If we combine our forces, we're powerful. Dudes are also weird Maybe about new dudes, you know? Yeah, especially in comedy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. New so, dude? Who's that new dude? Yeah. 
Is he going to fucking take my shit or is he like. So, and I was like, you know that thing when people are like, you got to watch Sonny, you're going to love it. You got to watch Broad City, you're going to love it. And the more people tell you you're going to love it, you know it, you're like, fuck you. You're like, I'm going to hate it. (laughs) I can't describe what that is either. That's reverse psychology, maybe, but just something to where I I get it all the time when, when some people try to write jokes for me but they're very sort of surface dwarf jokes and i'm like eh, no right or somebody will go me. like there's this other guy that you got to check out you're gonna love him and you're like wait like it's almost like wait and let me discover it i don't yeah. know what it is oh that's probably a lot of the reasons why i don't click on some of the viral videos that i see like that like go through a facebook news feed that like everyone's reposting i'll almost like i like i didn't um you know, I didn't watch Two Girls, One Cup until like a year later. Yeah. No, me too. <laughs> because I was like, oh, fucking, all right. you know, don't, hey, ease up, society. Like, I'll, de- I'll decide when I'm going to watch this and if it's worth watching and buying the soundtrack, and, too. Yeah, I would yeah. never do that. And there's like something that's like if you're on the side of the majority, it's like that's when you need to pause and take a breath. And like, that's like a great way to be like, oh, everybody loves it. Okay. Like, hold on one second. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes they're right. Sometimes I, it's I was going to say, like, what's ever. a flute? Yeah. But um, and so, it, like, Two Girls, One Cup is a great example. Yeah. And I felt bad. <laughs> that I waited that long. I felt bad that... I mean, best video ever, right? I mean, yeah. can, can, can we agree that that should have won the Emmy for best stunt work in a comedy? So, yeah. <laughs> I laughed. I laughed a lot. And that, was, that was the first viral, viral video I, I ever had. Not Two Girls, One Cup. But I made a Kermit the Frog reaction video to Two Girls, One Cup. And Perez Hilton featured it. And it got six million views in a week. That's cool. And then I... <laughs> And then it was cool. Someone told Sky to watch it. He was like, "Fuck no, yeah, I'm not watching that." You're like, tell me. I can't describe what it was, but everybody was like, "I think it was season two of Workaholics had had come on." Everybody's like, "Scott, you're gonna love this. You're gonna love this show." And I was like, "I hated it." And then I saw the poster in the subway, and it was like the one where the guys are putting the keg on the water cooler at yeah. work, and like I think Blake's got like a joint in his hand and somebody's got like maybe Durs with panties out of his back pocket and I was like oh what is this the guy with the big hair is like the crazy caveman stoner guy and the little guy can't like get laid and then that big guy is just every white and then I watched it and I was like oh it's so good and I was so (laughs) it was like a relief Yeah. and then I felt this weird thing and I was sitting on I was dating a girl at the time and she was like do you like it I was like I love it and I like went through a bunch of them and she's like, yeah, those guys, you know, like, you should probably, like, try to work with them if you get out to L.A. And I was like, yeah. And then, like, I moved out here. <laughs> like, Jesus. I think, like, four months later, I was on work office. So this Four months later in moving out here? Yeah, I think so. I moved out here three years ago, and I worked on wow. Whitney Cummings on a show called Love You Mean It. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which I loved working on, by yep. the way. That was, like, a fun show. And, um, and, uh. Adam was on it briefly with like Crystal and a couple of yep. they were like guests on the sofa and then his manager Isaac was like hey how long are you doing this show and I'm like they picked us up for 13 we've done nine so maybe four more weeks or whatever and he's like Adam's got this thing it's like a stand up thing we don't know what it is let me know if you're available and then that turned out to be house party wow. and then we got canceled the next week on love you mean it yeah um and then he was like, do you want to meet Divine? Like, they just wrapped season three. Uh, he can meet you tonight. So I went to Old Smokehouse, which is where, you know, you stuff happens. <laughs> you eat orange, orange garlic bread. You've been there, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, everybody's been yeah, there. Yeah, sure. Um, it's a Hollywood standard. But he didn't know what I look like because I'm just a writer. You know, right. like he can't. And he, you know, he just didn't Google me or whatever. And so I'm sitting there and he's like five minutes late. And he like came in less looking like this tired honey bear. <laughs> and like, it's, and it was the last day of a, the episode where they did 20 
episodes that season, so oh, they Jesus. were smoked. I mean, yeah, he yeah. was done, and like his voice, you know, he loses his voice yeah. all the time. And so we sit down, and the reason I knew I was going to like him is he's like, so let's get a drink. What are you drinking? I was like, I'll take a Makers on the Rocks. And he goes, not me, Bud Light. And I was like, oh, that's cool. He wasn't like, oh, that sounds good. Like he yeah, was right. did his own thing. Yeah. And then I think I made a Goldfinger, the band joke. <laughs> well, that's you uh, just basically struck divine gold. Exactly. Right. Without knowing. Last what time he was on the podcast, do. we talked about '90s punk bands for probably 22 minutes. Oh yeah, he loves to sing them too. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. His, his joke of everything is always a season, a season, and then a location. Like it was summer, yeah. Chicago, <laughs> in the city. Yeah. Stephanie. Yeah, we had one. Yeah, we had we wrote a couple episodes for House Party season two that we never shot and he was going to be in a pop punk band and we got Mark Hoppus he was Mark Hoppus was like yeah reach out to my manager I'll be in it and we were going to call him the Sugar Rush Kids <laughs> oh I like it and it was That's... at Omaha Divine had that band but ain't fart so it was like I, so when uh, you guys met the, I mean because you know to this day like when I'm around you guys I'm like you guys seem like blood like you can finish each other's sentences it was weird you were there on House Party the that was the second time or third time I'd ever been around Adam when you came in that day. To kind of help, Just like, to be, yeah, help shoot, right, the, shit, shoot yeah. the shit. And you thought that we had known each other for, and that was the third day we had ever been around each Are other. Are you serious? I'm totally serious. Dude, wow. I, so they bring me in, like, to just kind of, like, be another, like, fly on the wall and, like, yeah. you know, spitball ideas and laugh and listen to whatever. And I'm watching, and <laughs> the whole time, I mean, I'm like, I, dude, I had no idea. Yeah. Because you knew him, but you didn't know me. So yeah. it was like, oh, is But this the way like you some- guys talked and worked and like the way that he would spit something out and then you would tag it and then he would make him or that you would suggest and then he would like take it and run with it. It was like a seamless uh, and what I would uh, anticipate every writer's room you want it to be, right? Where yeah. it's just. But it was rare. I mean, that doesn't happen very often. But it was like. But then to get on Workaholics, like they were, you know, I had written the season with Adam and then they were like, okay, we'll interview him. But the showrunner of the show, I think, was concerned that I was going to be like a Brooklyn cynical because I came up in that scene that I might not be good for the show in certain ways. And then it just turns out it's like, that wasn't the case, but it was just where I came up. So it's like, you never know. You got to overcome weird shit all the time. But at what point did you have when you like stepped into like, I don't know, the Workaholics, like writer's room for the, f- the first day or any of that did you have a flashback of like writing that spec i mean yeah i mean i wrote two and i, I wrote two work all specs because again i was like watch the episode and like paste it out but i had like wayman speaking like i hadn't watched enough episodes so like i broke all these rules i wrote a thing for jet set but he had died by that point so it was like <laughs> i was sending in some really uninformed shit wow and uh, but that those specs didn't get me. On. I mean, honestly, workaholics got me. Uh, House party got me workaholics. Yeah. Like I didn't even. I don't think I even sent in an original for right. that one. But, uh, but I mean, just like you know, fan, you know, fantasizing yes. at one point about. I mean, that's crazy that you. Yeah, it was really weird. It was within. I think it was like I moved out in end of November, and I think I started on House Party like January first, and then by that point, it just took off. Like I, I knew I. I took, yeah, I knew I was going to get Workaholics if I did House Party. What do you think you attribute right. to, like, I mean, writing that spec, uh, m- making the move, uh, making the move out here, Timing, first of all, right. is a big step. Timing yeah. has a lot to do with it. But, I mean, also, like, you doing the Whitney show and, like, whatever you did on that show made, uh, you know, Isaac ask you, right? I mean, like, yeah. some... I mean, I'd, Isaac knew me because he used to rep Kurt and Kristen, too. So, I, he knew, I was around in New York for years and years. Yeah. But I think it was that plan of like being friends with so many people that if uh, Adam goes, yeah, I might hire this dude Scotty, and then Whitney goes, I love him, and then you go, oh shit! So like people do your PR for you, yeah. If and if so, you're a good dude, if, yeah. Uh, and so far, so it's luck and it's people timing. don't PR piece of shits. 
No, because <laughs> it makes you look really bad. Like that, right? Yeah, that's like the one thing that like you'll recommend you'll recommend somebody for certain jobs, or and you won't recommend other people for certain jobs. And then there's some people. If I go like 100, percent what do you think of Adam? You go yeah. hire. If you yeah. don't you're making a mistake and that's when showrunners and stuff go like okay like bring this dude in because right. if, if somebody just in. says like yeah he's cool yeah they yeah like all right well you're like him. what do you think of so-and-so as a writer and i'll be like if you don't hire her you're a fool and then they're like all i need to hear and then you oh, know because wow. they because they know because they know that you're sticking your neck out for this person and it's your reputation yes. it's not like an agent or manager that has some sort of stake in the game of their success yeah. you have you have nothing with recommending a friend for a part or a writer for a position you're yeah. just like no i just want your project to be good and because i want your project to be good i'm going to give you someone who else who is good right and to it's help any, your project it's any work it's like you wouldn't you wouldn't recommend your buddy for a construction job if you were like oh yeah he throws his back out every week like yeah. you just it's if they got the goods you hire them yeah. uh what was your favorite uh we got about seven ten more minutes is that good whatever you guys want uh what was your favorite part and um of hawaii house party oh yeah and just um like had you i mean obviously new orleans was bananas but like a show like that i feel like is probably different than anything you've ever worked on yeah yeah that was the best and it's to the point where like i'm already pitching shows that take place on the north shore again because that was <laughs> i mean you were there yeah. it was like the thing that worked was the weather worked for us that could have really really screwed us so we had great luck with that but like and you shot a turtle bay too right uh i shot something yeah but it, it wasn't house parties it, it was something different but yeah it, it's it's the most amazing yeah. thing ever it's just like oh, oh, wow every, real life. everything should be shot here you you wonder why certain movies tv shows are like whoa then we have a hawaii episode yeah because we all want to go to hawaii yeah that's why because it's awesome and then when you see it you're like yeah this is why so like my favorite <laughs> part was um that so we were all in the same resort the all the production crew and it's mostly workaholics people yeah. but my favorite part every single season even when it was even the season you're on in LA where it's like we bust people up to Chatsworth <laughs> it's the it's new that was a great season I know it's hey a great two season. SNL cast members on my episode yeah oh yeah just right. on your episode yeah Brooks and Pete mm-hmm. oh that's right I'm waiting for the call Lauren the Blue Angels <laughs> the Blue Angels um, but yeah it's I I only like the new faces and I like the way that they come off the plane or the mm-hmm. bus or whatever and they're just like i've never done tv i'm thrilled i'm ner- they're nervous i mean they're sure. so nervous first- and not just stand up like you guys got stand up down like if i'm like i need you to do eight minutes great i need you to do 20 great you guys know what you're doing there but acting sure. is scary for people yeah, yeah. And, and but that's one of the things that makes the show great is it's, it you, you don't just see the comics on stage doing their stage persona right now you see them in a sketch now you see them interacting now you right. see that like you see them in uh, other facets, which makes it a, a great show, not only for you guys, but then also for the comics, because they get to showcase yeah. a little bit more. I would argue it's the most fun show for any new face comic ever. A thousand I, percent. Yeah. I think it's so fun, and we party. You know, like we do party after the shows, and we're like we make the whole vibe feel like you can't make a mistake if you flub a line. There's no such thing as flubbing a line. Like do your thing. Mm-hmm. So that's my favorite part every season, especially there because we were flying like New York comics in the middle of the winter out to Hawaii, and they were like, I can't tell you, maybe out of the thirty, there were probably. Ten, they were like, I never thought I would go to Hawaii my entire life, and Leonard, then we just like uh, we're Leonard, paying you. Leonard Utz was one of those. Leonard Utz is our yeah. dude. Yeah, Leonard Utz. We had him on the podcast a few months ago. Oh, he was just, yeah, shit. he was just like, he was like, just in love with that place. Yeah, I think he never 
Yeah, he'd never been, right? I don't think so. I mean, most hadn't. Like, one or two. I actually was kind of disappointed when people were like, yeah, I came here once. I was like, oh, that sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, now you're, now you're not going to see their face, like, light up yeah. when they, like, feel the water for the first time. Like, it's warm? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what the hell? I know. I know. And we, yeah. So that part was great. The resort, Turtle Bay is the best. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, just you, you've been on the show now three seasons. It's like, I love that crew and that team. And, yeah. I, and you know, we're getting better at it's it. It's rare, right? Too. To have a crew that tight and love seamless. Those guys. Also, you and Adam at the helm is is rare too because like when you say when some of the comics haven't acted before and they're nervous about uh, just the whole experience like their first TV like yeah. not just stand up but acting too you want to make sure that you're being represented like uh, well but you guys make everybody so comfortable That's which I goal. think is like you know you're giving them the best opportunity to succeed yeah and Kyle and Baby Newt's the directors are really soft handed directors too where they get what they want but if somebody if we can see somebody's weak spot right away we'll work around it so and the, and the parting aspect dude like is like that shit does help and make you more comfortable like in New Orleans like after these long days I mean I think a lot of comics would show up and I think that that's how it worked in general they would show up like a day early Uh and then so and we all pretty much would go out every night so even if it was like rage and burp well New Orleans was different because you couldn't not get fucked up every night I think there was maybe one night where I think you turn around and left at like two and you're and I was like Scotty come on you're like (laughs) I can't do it every night, like yeah. for a month every night. And then I was like, you're right. Like, I know. I look like that Nick Nolte mugshot. <laughs> like there's a photo of me like walking down Frenchman and like I look 40 pounds heavier, 20 years older, like just bloodshot, like blood vessels in the face. And I was like, I mean, honestly, if we had shot, we shoot 10 episodes in 10 days, which is unheard of. And if that shoot was longer, like four weeks in New Orleans, it would have been like legit trouble. Like yeah. people would have had extreme illnesses. Just- that's, yeah. That's so insane when you think of that atmosphere compared to let's say when some comic would have to do Letterman right. where it's like okay yeah. uh, like work with the guy work, work with the 165 <laughs> year old writer to get your set right you, you fly out you're in a suit stand here you're yeah. isolated in the green room you don't meet Dave before Dave's not right. boozing with you yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Dave's not going out the night before with you and then you stand on your spot we're cut to you in 3, 2 like right. that all that adds to the pressure and adds to the fact that you're doing this late night spot yeah. whereas you guys are just like no we're just we're, ha- we're hanging out. Yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna be comfortable and you're gonna be funny. It's gonna be more like a club date. Yeah, and you're gonna have a great time. It's all been like those. It's such a pleasant surprise. Like that show's just been great. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's been a good team. I'm glad to be a part of it. And you were saying like that world makes you like has opened your eyes up to doing sure. one of sh- on the beach. Yeah, yeah man. So <laughs> I'm gonna like yeah. I'm just gonna keep pitching stuff, especially there because there's a huge tax credit to shoot. Sure. Oh yeah. As everything should be in Hawaii. Yeah, well, I went ziplining there, which was the like you did other shit. You did the helicopter ride. I did helicopter. I did yeah, snorkeling helicopter. Did you dune, swim with sharks? I had a dune buggy for two weeks. I don't know if you remember that, but I had rented the dune buggy, so I drove oh, around the island in an orange dune buggy. Wait, what? I didn't know that you had it the whole time. Yeah, no seatbelts, and so that was uh, that was like my mode of transportation. I was like, don't get me a car. I'll just rent a dune buggy. <laughs> so that's god. the best. Yeah, it was fun, man. Oh my god, it's uh, so good. Yeah, uh, before. I up, I wanted to. I wanted to ask you something. First of all, everyone should follow you on Twitter uh, because you're one of these writers that you you post jokes. Yeah. And oh, that's nice. It's great. That's you, nice. You do yeah. really you do really funny stuff. Thanks, uh, man. At Marilyn Mudflap. It's true. On Twitter, so don't look up Scotty Land. Is at Marilyn Mudflap, but then your Instagram is Mudflap Scotty. Yeah. What, what's with the Mudflap thing? So that was just a. Uh, I used to date a girl from Mississippi, and I was at a. 
like I was in this town called Chunky, Mississippi. And, <laughs> Wait, uh, that's a name? Yeah. yeah. Sounds like a, it's not a Campbell's soup flavor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was about to say the same thing. Like, uh, <laughs> and then it was like, I was actually, the town was called Hickory. The town over from us called yeah. Chunky. And they're like, we used to do it in Chunky. Now we're doing Hickory. So I was like, okay. <laughs> what a great sentence. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and so I was sitting there and it was, a, it was like a crawfish boil band weekend thing. And like, there was all these families getting together. Like and, they do. Yeah, like they do mm-hmm. a lot. And it also is so fun. And, um, this guy walked by with a huge mullet, just mm-hmm. like classic mullet. And, you know, mullet's like one of those words that's like you've just heard it so many times. You're like, stop. Like, we get it. We yeah. all can say mullet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this guy goes, oh, you like that guy's hair? That's one hell of a Mississippi mud flap. And then kept walking. And I was like, Mississippi mud flap. That's really funny. And then I was laughing and nobody else was laughing. And they're like, you've never heard that? And I was like, no. They're like, Kentucky waterfall? I'm like... <laughs> No, funny too. And, and they just keep going, and I was just like, Jesus. Wow. So when I got back up, people were like, "You should join Twitter. You might be good at Twitter." And I was like, "Fuck that." Same thing. Like, yeah. like population yeah. loves it. I'm yep. against it. Yep. Yeah. And then like six months later, I I read like one tweet that actually made me laugh really hard. So I signed up. I was that way with feet. sex up until like three weeks ago. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> I was like, this is pretty great. It's pretty fun. Yeah. 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 If you open your eyes, it's amazing. <laughs> I gotta try that sometime. <laughs> yeah, uh, but so then I just signed up as Incognito, and I planned on never even putting Scotty on there. I just yeah. wanted it to be like I could just pitch jokes as this weird entity that nobody knew, and it worked. Like uh, Rolling Stone once listed me as the twenty-five top Twitter followers. Shut of the, the time. fuck up! And man. they were like unknown, don't know where he works, but like here's some of his top tweets. How did you find out? Because they po- they told me they were like they contacted me through Twitter and they were like, "Do you mind sending us a picture?" So I sent a picture from when I was in Mississippi <laughs> of this day I was uh, like noodling catfish and like scooping catfish out with oh my with nets. god and it's me in cut off shorts uh, like a super tight short uh, shirt from this local fast food place called Wards a bandana and then I blacked out my eyes and then put this huge blackout ball between my legs so it looks like I have like a twenty five inch cock oh my god and that was on RollingStone.com and like all these people wow. were like shit dude. Oh my god! Yeah. Wow, and then everyone's like, "Who's this Marilyn Mudflap? We <laughs> yeah. gotta follow him." And then at some point, I put Scotty on there because I was like, I was getting so much work as a writer. Bef- I was working before that, but then I was in writers' room, and the people were like, "Are you on Twitter?" Or, like other writers. And at some point, I was like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm Marilyn Mudflap. It's Scotty." And then they're like, "Oh shit, that's you!" Like it was, that's it was awesome. fun. Yeah, and yeah, like like Patton Oswalt retweeted you a and lot, like yeah. a lot, and that's. That, I mean, you, I mean, talking about how you're a fan of the alt comedy scene. That's no, like sh- he's that's best. like God coming down from on high, no going, shit. "I now bless you. I yeah. know. People it, must love you now." It was that. It was I had like 700 followers, and I was like, "Sick, crushing, got this, <laughs> book deal, dude, come and get it." And then I woke yeah. up. The girls dating at the time like shook me awake. She's like, "Hey, um, Pat Oswalt and Andy Richter and Michael McKeon have been retweeting you." Uh, you have 25,000 followers. And then like, I woke up and I had like 25,000, or I think it was 12,000 overnight. And then That's I, insane. And then my email used to come to my, my Twitter alert used to come to my regular email. So yeah. I woke up to 12,000 emails. <laughs> oh and God. then it just grew really fast. And then it just totally plateaued. And I don't, I've probably lost two or 3,000 followers. I think every... Buddy has. Yeah. yeah. Did you did did when that happens? Do you go like, oh shit? Now that I have a lot of pressure to write funny stuff. Um, or or no. you just like, I'm, I'm just gonna do the same thing I've been doing. You know, I didn't feel that really at all because I was already writing on TV shows. I was doing Money from Strangers at yeah. the time, I think. Okay. And so I'd done Mega Drive. I'd done a few other so you're like, shows. So you're like, I'm writing. That's where my money comes in. Yeah. So Twitter's just fun. Yes, but I did get like a lot of 
um, emails and stuff from like small publishers that were like, "Hey, we we want to give you a book. What's an angle? Like, what's a deal?" And so, like, I don't know. What? I didn't do any of it. I got literary. I got a book agent out of that, but I never wrote anything. Cause, you think? Do you want to? No. No, <laughs> I love TV. I just want to do. I love doing movies now that like that's going in that direction. Yeah. But I love writing TV. That's all I want to do forever. Would you ever want to do the ne- like a, a like a reboot of Married with Children, or do you think you can't <laughs> do that because it was in a time where yeah. it, there was nothing like that? Yeah, I don't know. I just I like new stuff. I don't even like to think about the stuff I did a year ago. So like I, I like to keep churning out new. Shit. I didn't. I have no idea about you. You just you're like yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, move on. It's I think that's a good way to just do anything. But I I um it's also so you don't worry about anything anymore because like as soon as you put something behind you, you're like okay, it's done. Yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you slide the plate away with you at dinner, and you're like, "Okay, I'm gonna push this to the table. I'm yeah. done." Yeah, like, yeah, and, and what am I doing? Yeah, you don't. Well, but that, but then you don't focus on that and try and try to rest on that. You try yeah. to move on to the next thing and create the next thing. Sure, and I'm you, sure it's exciting for like you when you shoot your special that it's like, okay, <laughs> go back it, to work. It's scary. Oh, yeah. It's scary as shit yeah. uh, when you shoot the special and they and they give you a date that it's airing like May twentieth on Showtime. Just throwing that out there. Uh, Brad Williams. Daddy issues premieres, and then uh, I'm like, oh fuck, I gotta write a whole lot of new stuff. That's great. So people don't watch it. Go, wow, that's really great. See them coming to their city, then come see me and see the same shit that they just saw in the special. Yeah, he yeah. called. He was that's so my desperate. Worst fear. So desperate for material. Sure. He, he called me in the middle of the night and goes, "What was that 30 minutes you did on your dad's island? Can I use that?" <laughs> yeah. and I was like, I would not wish that upon anybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's good. That's a good. That's, that's a good one. one. Taking the Arnold Cow joke. That's what you that's, can have it. That that's my opener. You know I'll give I'm, you fifty. <laughs> if you open and close with that, I might. I might, I might at some show, I might. I might have to do that because that's that. That just sounds really funny to me. <laughs> so yes. Well, and it, I'll tell you this: it was funny to a lot of people. All right, well, seven years ago. All right, so I don't know why you're. All right, all right. I mean, yeah, that's one thing. If a if, if a new comic out in some island somewhere does it, but now. Arnold Schwarzenegger, look out! Because yeah, you might be plugging a war game yeah. on your uh, on your iPhone, but now pe- Wait, people what? are going to know you. Pe- people are going to know you for fucking a cow very yep. soon. All right, yep. but hold up, bro. what did you say about him plugging a war game? Yeah, th- there there's Super an app Bowl commercial, right? Yeah, like, yeah. What? Yeah, it, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger does a commercial for I don't, I don't want to say the name of the app, but it's a war video game that's an app on your phone. Scott, I feel like you could get in the commercial game. I uh, would love it. Yeah, sure. You I would, would love it. You, I would you love write like thirty seconds with two with two punchlines. Get paid. I love six, that. six figures. I and would love to do voiceover. Un- I think unlimited Snickers for you life. You do have a great voice. I would love to do it. Do you really? I would love to do that. All right. Well, Adam's, would, Adam's got a booth in his house now. I know. That's amazing. That's <laughs> why I came today. <laughs> It was all building up to this moment. <laughs> all right. Well, well, we'll throw in Adam's favorite Ducktales episode. You could uh, you could improv your uh, your versions of Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Well, that is actually a great idea for a show we'll to just happens. like redub all old eighties cartoons, just with deep voices, just with deep weird voices deep voice and like guys. and like I'm weird not doing a voice. I'm doing this voice, <laughs> like weird adult jokes instead of like the kid jokes. Yeah, I know. Oh man, yeah, that could happen. Uh, I'm into it. No, but uh, it, yeah, it's. Uh, it, that would be the best gig. Like I'm so when right. I like writing animation. I've written on a couple animated shows, and that's like the that's so fun because you're like, oh, you punch the washing machine, it hits the moon, and then you draw it that way. <laughs> and it's just done. The, yeah. sky, the sky is a limit for animation. Yeah, right? I mean, like you get to think. I mean, with workaholics, you can think big, but animation, you can think. Yeah, it's just animated workaholics would be dope. I know. I, yeah, I mean, that would that would be a very special episode. I know. I've heard Adam talk about it, but you said like when like I think he was saying like years later when the show's been off the year for like twenty five years, and then they did like a an animated special that was that'd be cool. Or now, yeah, or now. <laughs> I yeah, I would love that. But you know, I think that their secret sauce 
not to bring it down. I just think like what they're doing is perfect. I think yeah. they're getting out at the right time. I think yeah. they're all going to go into big things. But it's, so you, you're going to do one more season. They're doing season seven. Yeah, and and I don't know. Oh. I mean, I might be so busy on other stuff yeah. with whoever, but I would be happy to do it again. It's the most fun writing gig in Hollywood, and I think other people that have been on the show would say that in a heartbeat. Like it's so fun. Awesome. It is. I can attest. <laughs> hey, we leave at like six. Most writers, so many writers' rooms are out at like midnight. Like, yeah, is that true? Oh my god! Oh, I've been in those writers' rooms. What people tell me these things, and they're like, "Oh man, we're there like two a.m. like five nights a week," and I'm like, "I would just quit." I, I, that's too much. You, you're not funny anymore. There is a t- yeah. there is a cutoff, don't you think? I mean, I guess like we're yes. going out late to be funny, but we're you know hopefully somewhat rested. But if you've started at Oh, yeah. Eight, There's some more comics, especially yeah. you guys are going doing sets right after whatever. How are you supposed to keep churning out like ideas at espressos? Yeah. They do. I mean, a lot of rooms are like that, and the, a lot of those great shows are probably like that, and they're probably better writers overall than I'll ever be. But I think that that's just insane. Well, I would mi- not do that. Mr. Ed was notorious for having a writers' room cut off at 3 p.m. <laughs> Again, like but that's 300 why. episodes. <laughs> Some crazy number of episodes. Awesome. Scotty, thank you so much for doing this, man. Oh, my gosh. I'm uh, so grateful. Thanks, guys. This is the best. So, at, at wait, at uh, Mudflap Scotty on, his, on, on Instagram. And then you guys talk about it. Your, your Insta's fun, I'm too, great. though, real quick. Your Insta's like... You did post a picture of you riding in a car with a skeleton in the back seat listening to Metallica. Yeah, I always have a skeleton in the back of my car. What? Yeah. I, why, a, why do you do that? Because I think that life is boring, and if people are, like, bored and they look out in traffic and see a skeleton and looking at them, it like makes them distracted for a couple seconds. And, and scream and preen off of a cliff like, what the fuck? And we're in a valet town. Everybody, every valet is like, dude, that scared the shit out of me. And then I was out at a Moon Shadows and they rolled down the back window and people were posing with my car with a skeleton. The valets rolled down my window and I came out and there are people taking pictures with a skeleton the in the back fuck? of my car. Yeah. So if you ever see a skeleton in the back of a, a SUV mm-hmm. and then I just bought this gorilla that I'm going to put in this back, this old beater convertible I got. So if you ever see a red little beater convertible with uh, skeleton. a skeleton and i mean a grill in the back yeah just you know, mud flap <laughs> <laughs> have you ever though thought to like pull one of them like to go in the carpool lane at night like to maybe just pull because i'll tell you one time at night i needed to get to long beach and i was really late and i put my hand up like it was a puppet in the passenger seat sure. just to have a presence there yeah it's hilarious and i was driving really fast and i was like I I wasn't doing it as a joke. I was like, if the cop is like behind me, I didn't just a glance just to see a presence, top of the head, yeah. and I would even turn it every now and then and talk to myself with it. I mean, that's uh, yeah, a little, that's, yeah, that's crazy. Late night. That's, yeah. that, that's slightly schizophrenic. But, okay. <laughs> I was having a rough week, but the gorilla might or the skeleton. You yeah, grill and sunglasses. It'll be me. <laughs> is there going to come a point when your car is just filled with characters? Different cars, different characters. No, I'm, <laughs> this is it. This is it for me. I, yeah, I mean, ideally, it would be like you know, a really attractive girl in the yeah. Baby steps, yeah, Scotty. Exactly. Baby steps. Well, thanks for having me, Scotty. You're the man. This was awesome. Oh, such a pleasure. So that's the show. Thanks for tuning in. We had laughs and stories. Now go listen to more episodes on iTunes or your phone. Subscribe and tell your family and everyone you know. But what should I tell them? Well, you can just tell them that.
<laughs> Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast with Brad Williams and Adam Ray. Boy, they're a lot of fun, huh? Why don't you subscribe on iTunes to this fucking podcast, give them a five-star rating so this midget and this Jew can feel good about themselves for a couple minutes. Also, get on your iPhone or Android and get the podcast app. You can also listen to it on Stitcher or aboutlastnightpodcast.com, where you can hear past episodes with great guests like Lisa Kudrow, Paul Feig, Kevin Nealon, Bob Saget, Dion Cole, Chris D'Elia, Adam Devine, Michael McDonald, Jaleel White, Bud Friedman, Steve-O, Harlan Williams, Tom Arnold, Ron Funches, Rick Glassman, Blake Anderson, Anders Holm, Jessime Peluso, Joey McIntyre, and many, many more. I'm Tony Danza. Thanks for listening to the About Last Night podcast. Good night. That's it, right? You got it? Sweet. Boy, it smells good in that booth, by the way. What kind of candle is that? Hanukkah Willow? <laughs> nice. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.